Please join me in prayer. God of love, we hear you as you walk by the lakeshore of our lives, inviting us, calling us, beckoning us. We ask for courage. We ask for your kind of vision. We ask for hope and some courage. And the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. And let the people say, Preaching in its best form is a conversation. It is not just one person talking with you and exclaiming or proclaiming the good news as they see fit, but starting a conversation because as many sermons go out the door as our people in the pews. And so I want to start a conversation with you today that I hope will go on for several weeks. I first want to review a little bit of what's happened the last few weeks here in worship. Some of you have been here for it. Some of you may have missed a few times. On the first Sunday in January, Epiphany Sunday, we celebrated the Epiphany where we remember how the wise ones came from the east, seeing the star in the sky to come and witness the baby Jesus, God, with us. And they brought their gifts. And we talked on that Sunday about what it means to have an Epiphany, how God comes to us and reveals things we may not have realized before. And as we start a new secular year, what are the ways we may resolve to be open in heart and soul and mind to epiphanies happening to us, letting them happen to us? We also dedicated James Reed on that day as an almost seven-month-old in our midst and his parents' intention that they would raise him in the Christian faith. We anointed him with oil on his head and his hands and his heart and his feet. And we pledged to his parents, Emily and Stefan, and his big brother Myers, that we would be a part of their extended spiritual family as he starts his life with us. And the next week, our seminarian, Jazz, preached about Jesus' baptism, which is something we often do at this time of year. It's part of the regular liturgical cycle. Jesus, starting his ministry, being initiated into the faith by his cousin, John the Baptist. And then last week, hopefully many of you were here. How many of you were here last Sunday? You heard these amazing faith testimonials of our five confirmants, some of whom are with us today. It was the results of several months of theological reflection and thought, talking about their lives, how they interact with the training they grew up with in this church, and really thinking intentionally about where they are in their faith at this moment. I don't know if we're putting those online, but they're beautiful statements, and it would be a privilege for all of you to get to know them if you didn't hear them. But they were, I will say, some of the deepest, most thoughtful theological reflections I have heard anywhere, and especially from our confirmants. And it wasn't exactly orthodox, all of it. It was a constant wrestling with what this faith means. It was real. And today we hear this story which is reported in several of the Gospels, which I love, about Jesus calling his disciples and asking them to follow him. Now, I happen to love this story. I happen to love whenever Jesus talks about discipleship. I think in my mind there's something very romantic about it. 
that these guys were just doing their work and all of a sudden something triggered and they went off and they had this amazing life. And that's certainly as much as we know, given what little details the Gospels give us about their actual lives, which leads us to have a lot of imaginative thoughts about it, which is a great gift, actually. Because I imagine a lot of what happened in their lives is the same that happens in our lives. The ways we grow up, the way we have experiences, the way we take new challenges on. But it does leave me to question how that really happened. It says in both cases, with Peter and Andrew and James and John, that they immediately dropped their nets and went and followed this guy. Which, I don't know, I just wonder what happened there. Were they bored? Did they not like their work? Was there a big drought in the Sea of Galilee for fishing that year and business was not good and they thought there must be something better out there? It makes me wonder what they gave up. If they had sweethearts, if they had spouses, if they had kids, if they had debts to pay or messes they left for other people to clean up. It makes me wonder what was going on the rest of their lives and also makes me wonder what was so compelling about this guy, Jesus, that they were willing to drop everything and just go follow him. Now, theologically, it's because he was the Son of God. And we can talk all day long about his charisma and his passion and the ways he may have inspired them. But that's not what I want to talk about because I'm actually a little more interested in these two sets of brothers and the others who joined them and what happened with their lives. Because I think what happened with their lives is some of what is happening in our lives. Now, this is the start of the conversation. At the end of it, I'm going to ask you to email me or write me some responses you may have. So I hope you will make that commitment with me to let me know a little bit more of your thoughts. I'm aware that when we use the word disciple, Robert always tells me this is a scary word, disciple. It it means some sort of intense devotion or some sort of lockstep regimen that you follow, or that we talked this week in staff that you actually believe and ascribe to a certain set of things that you must believe. I don't actually look at discipleship quite that way. Discipleship to me means you are making a commitment to follow a certain way, that you're going to develop certain practices and habits that will form you as a person. For any of you who've taken up yoga, you know there's a practice to it. And there are things that you go out and buy so that you can do the practice, a mat, the right clothes, you take classes, you do the poses, you practice them over and over, you sweat, you carry a water bottle with you, you do all those things to become a yogi or a yogini. And you may have a teacher who you're especially devoted to. The same is true if you start a course of study. You buy the books, you take the classes, you get whatever necessary lab material or practice material or the instrument you need to play to follow that course of study, and you begin to shape your life around this pursuit. You become a disciple to what you're following. It's the same as if you're going to train for an event like a marathon. I just came from visiting some relatives who run marathons. It's bizarre to me. I could, I could not do it. But I know how they train and shape their lives to go through this amazing process, which at the 20th mile makes them feel miserable, and they ache for days after. But it's the pursuit of the run that they do. And they change their diet and their exercise and their whole plan. If you do it for the Boston Marathon for a charity, you also arrange for how you're going to get sponsorship for that charity and raise the money. It is a way you shape your life. That, to me, is what discipleship looks like. And so, 
I want to reframe how we think about discipleship because I think it's actually where our passion, where our gifts, the talents we have, and our desire to grow all come together. And it actually can be very exciting. You see, I think the moment that Jesus asked these brothers to step up, and I really think about James and John's father, Zebedee, like he's standing there and they've just left. Who's going who's to tend the nets now? But I think when they did that, they were responding to a call for adventure, a call to a new life, a call to some parts unknown that they had never seen before, that they had never experienced, and I think there must have been excitement about it. Joseph Campbell, the great writer and mythologist who, who studied mythology, wrote that the call to adventure is a basic tenet of the story of our lives and of the great myths we study. We are called out of a place of comfort and familiarity into a new place of challenge and excitement and growth. It happens to us all the time, and the question is how we respond to that call. I know that all of you here have had adventures. Some of you are in the middle of them. For all of us, the moment we might have left home was an adventure. The time we said farewell to our parents and either started a job or went off to school, that was a call to adventure that we responded to. Most of us in this room, I know, did not start our lives in Brookline. The moment we moved here, that was an adventure, to try new new things, to try new ways of doing things, to brave the traffic out there, to deal with the frostiness that New Englanders and non-New Englanders put on in regular social interactions. All these things about learning to be a part of a new culture, a new place. It's true for any of us who went to school, those are adventures. To, to commit ourselves to a way of studying, a way of being. Marriage, relationships are an adventure. To commit ourselves to another person and to follow that love wherever it takes us, the ways it changes us, the ways we rub up and hit up against each other as human beings and learn to live together, that is a kind of adventure that shapes us. Parenting is an adventure, a great adventure. I have the privilege last Saturday of sitting with our Parents of Young Children group, and I'm aware of every time I sit with them, What an adventure they are on having young children. I'm aware we have grandparents in our midst who took up stakes from other parts of the country and started this adventure here of being grandparents. All of us here try adventures at different times in our lives. So my question to us today is what would it look like if we treated our faith as an adventure? If we treated our call to discipleship, the same one given to Peter and Andrew and James and John and the others, if we took that seriously as the way that we live our lives, how would it shape us? How would it change us? What are the practices we would put in place to pursue that goal? What are the thought patterns we would have to change? And how do we in this place recommit ourselves to that kind of discipleship again and again. Some of you may remember a couple years ago I preached about this practice that the church in Somerville has where every week when they do the prayer of confession, an individual member of the congregation gets up and shares their own personal confession, a way that they got out of step with God, and they're very public about it, and then they lead the congregation through a, a 
confession together as a group, and then they give their own words of assurance about how God has forgiven them. It's a very daring process, and we have tried it the last two years in our Lenten dinner church on Thursday nights during the season of Lent. I invite you to come and check it out. And we've had beautiful reflections from members of our congregation and from our staff. Molly, who was the pastor at that church, wrote a whole book about this process, about how they do this, how they prepare for it. And she said in the beginning that she thinks the reason that a lot of fundamentalist churches have had growth and success, more so than what she would call kinder or friendlier or easier churches, is because they call people to do hard things. Because they treat faith as an adventure. And in taking on those kind of difficult things like a marathon or a course of study or parenting, it shapes us and shows us what we're really capable of. The sort of gifts that God has given us and how those gifts can shine even brighter, even more strongly, even more deeply in our lives and touch the lives of others. My question for us is I would like for you to go home this week And start looking at your life as an adventure. Look at the daily interactions you have as calls to that adventure. I don't know what it will be for you. It doesn't have to be big and grand like crossing the Amazon or taking on overdevelopment or any of those big things. But just maybe how you interact with the people right in front of you. What kind of kindness you express. What kind of help. How you choose to serve people on a daily basis but also to think of your life as an adventure. What are the adventures you have had so far? What are the call to that, to leave your comfort zone, to take your own personal center of gravity and put it in a new place with new challenges and new tests and new opportunities? When have you already done that? How are you doing that now? And what would it look like to treat your faith that way? When we talk about this, I think so much about a practice that's good for all of us to do, which is to think about the end of our life and how people might reflect on it, what they might say. Or even if you and I were to look on our lives and think, what would we want people to say? Where would we look back and say, yes, that was a moment of challenge and adventure I stepped up to. I often, I don't know if any of you who are on Facebook ever get these things they send you occasionally where they give you photos that you've posted as sort of a retrospective on your year. And as I look at them, I think, you know, that was pretty fun. I had a good time. And I think if I were to go back into those moments in the pictures, what would I advise myself? I would say, worry less about the small stuff. Be willing to take on new opportunities and enjoy it. So my question is, if we're to look at the photo album of our lives, whenever our lives come to an earthly end, what would we want God to see in our response to the call to discipleship? How did we take risks in our faith? How did we try out new things? How did we work together and support one another? Where was God speaking in that? So I would like you to answer these questions if you're willing to email or write me this week where you've seen adventure in your life or see it now, either in your life overall or in your faith life. 
or how you would like to experience adventure going forward. I'm very curious to know where that is. I'm also going to invite you to join us next Sunday when we're going to invite a real adventurer, Andre de Quadros, who has been with us before. Some of you may remember he came a year ago last summer to talk about his work teaching art in prisons, and he brought someone who was newly released from prison with him to lead us in a rap about justice and pain and transformation. Andre is a real adventurer. He is a choral conductor who believes in the democratization of music. I felt very jet-set this week because he was in Australia visiting his family. I was in Florida visiting my family, and we talked on the phone about next week's worship. He had just come from Indonesia, where he's working on a project with refugees. But what he's going to talk about next week is his work at the U.S.-Mexico border and his experience with refugees and immigrants there the power of music and art, and what he sees as a human rights catastrophe that he wants us all to pay attention to. Directly after worship, our pastor parish relations team and our human relations team are hosting a pastor parish forum right here in the sanctuary. You can come for as long as you want, but it's a time to have an open conversation with Amy and me about what's going on in our lives, questions you have spiritually about your lives, questions we have about the congregation, And I'm very interested to have this conversation about faith as an adventure and where that might lead us as a congregation. Right before Jesus called the disciples, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What that literally means is, let us turn back. Let us try a new direction. Because the realm of God is upon us. I believe you and I are called to step up into the realm of God, to be willing to drop nets occasionally and try something new, to lean into what God is asking of us, to listen carefully to that voice as we hear it in the world around us and from one another. One another. Because I believe at its best, this life is a great adventure given to us. And sometimes all it takes is for us to change the frame to step into it, and to experience the glories and joys of that kind of adventurous life. Amen.